Welcome to another episode of the Municipals. I'm Matthew. And I'm Philip. And we uh, are so pleased today. Sorry, you take it, Phil. This is your, oh yeah, your moment. Excited. This is my pal. Um, I met him uh, while we were both running for city council uh, during the most recent municipal election. He's a former uh, Toronto Catholic District School Board trustee. Uh, and he's an all-around great dude. Um, I'm so excited to have Norm uh, De Pasquale. De pa oh, no. Norm, you just told me what. Oh, cool. Okay, I nailed it. All right. I was so ready to be sure that I was wrong. But I'm so excited to have Norm today. Um, great guy. So glad to have you today. Well, Philip, I feel absolutely the same way about you. It's just such a pleasure to get to know somebody so positive. You know, it's nice to meet some like-minded people out there. So pleasure to be on the show. Well, thank you for, for coming on. And, uh, you know, you probably have talked the election to death, but I'm going to ask you, how was it for you? Um, I, I, I was on the site every day, so I, I know that um, I don't think you registered early, but um, how was it for you? What, what made the decision for you to uh, uh, go for city council instead of um, um, uh, going for re-election for uh, school board trustee and, and anything else you want to share? Well, uh, th those decisions kind of came in a different order. So I, I really felt over four years as a school board trustee, I had, I had accomplished everything I wanted to do. Um, we pushed the equity bar up really high. Um, we made improvements to things like um, student nutrition and, um, you know, supports for students. Um, and, and really, we, we funded important things like reading interventions. And I, I just really felt like there was nothing else for me to do there. And, and when you get to that point in any elected role, it's time to find the person that would be great to pass the baton to that can take things to that next level. So um, I had done that and I had identified someone as he was Stephen Mensa. He would have been an amazing trustee. And then, um, you know, I guess fast forward a little bit to July and then, um, you know, I discovered that uh, Mike Layton um, decided not to run again for city council. And, uh, you know, he reached out and asked me, he said, Norm, um, do you want to run? I mean, I've been asking people around me and a lot of people are saying your name. So would you like to run for city council? And, um, you know, that obviously really changed my year. <laughs> that was the end of any summer vacation plans. Um, and, you know, I, I said, I said, yeah, like, I think that's an area where I like at city council, I think I can make a lot of positive change for the everyday Torontonian and kind of bring that renters perspective to the discussion. And, you know, I was somebody who got renovated last year. So I, I would love to bring that perspective to city hall and, and really try to uh, bring in policies that protect the renters and, and protect that class that is often ignored at City Hall, um, just based on the people who uh, represent us there. So I said yes, and it was an incredible journey. I, every day had an amazing memory attached to it. I now have one of Jack Layton's ties, which Mike Layton gifted me at, at, you know, halfway through the campaign, and that's, that's an absolute honor. And it was just such an absolute honor to get to work with uh, Mike Layton and, 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 you know, every day I learned something new and just had an amazing experience. So really, I guess how I would ca categorize this, this campaign, I would just say amazing. It was something I'll never, ever forget. It was wonderful. I mean, the result's not quite what I hoped for, but it was still 75 days of amazing memories. Oh, my God, Norm. I, um, I, I think it's hilarious, but in a, in a sad way. And I apologize to you. <laughs> I was so excited. CP24, I'm pretty sure they called it. They were like, they did. Norm wins. <laughs> I, 
And I don't know if they called it or if I just saw it was going well and I jumped the gun. Someone jumped the gun. And I was just like, and I immediately sent a message to Norm on Twitter. Just congratulations, Norm. So excited. (laughs) Didn't, didn't pull through. So in fact, CP24 called it for me, AM680 called it for me, but my campaign manager, we were in the campaign office and he looked at me and he said, this isn't over. So just just don't get too high right now. There's still a lot more to be counted. This is not over. So I, I'm so grateful for that. But boy, the congratulations messages were pouring in like hundreds. And I probably gained about like a thousand Twitter followers that night. <laughs> that was not bad. Wow. Um, and I'll tell you, I'm still walking down the street today and people are like, hey, Nora, congratulations. <laughs> and I'm getting high Oh, my God. So, you know, you take that's, it. You're like, that's... thanks, man. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> I there's a part of me that wants to make a joke. Um <laughs> about both of us being uh, electoral losers, but, and then sneak in the fact that very, very different levels of loss. Like (laughs) you were right there. I mean, I came eighth out of eighth, but you know, um, (laughs) but you know, I always thought your, your campaign was always so positive and I felt like um, our views aligned on a lot of stuff. So it was very exciting. Um, you know, throwing in another personal story where um, the first time I met Norm was at the Ontario Place Walk um, that was hosted by uh, Sean McAuliffe and John Loring, I think. Mm-hmm. And uh, and Norm approached me. This was I had been sort of observing Norm on Twitter for a while. And, you know, I'm like, I wouldn't even say anything constructive to him. I'd just be like, Norm or like, I like Norm. Like, I wouldn't even like be adding any like smart conversation. But it was just like. So at the Ontario Place Walk, Norm, I don't know if you remember, but you approached me. Yep. You were like, Philip, you know, you look exactly <laughs> like your picture. I was so, I was beyond flattered. It really made me feel oh. like, oh, um, people are paying attention to me. It was, it was an extraordinarily just nice moment. So even just like the smallest gestures, you know, it, it's surprising what really like touches people, you know? Yeah, I was just completely feeling that positive energy that you exude online. It's really infectious. So I absolutely had to come over and say hi. Um, I I wanted to ask about your your time as a school trustee. Um, You know, funny story is that you are actually the uh, the well, the former school trustee now, but um, Mm -hmm. the school trustee for my daughter's school um, because she goes far. I live in Ward one, but she goes to school over there because of the. the deaf and hard of hearing program. Excellent. I'm just wondering. Is totally off the off the I'm off the cuff question. Um, mm-hmm. The EAs that are hired, they're hired by the school board. Do the trustees sit in on on all the um, the the hiring and stuff like that? Not at all. Like um, you know, the, there's a key distinction for trustees that they don't get into the operational business of the board. So that would include hires of you know staff that are not executive. Um, trustees mm-hmm. do not get involved in that. Like they can help to set some policy around it, but they are not directly involved. What about policies um, uh, regarding uh, like? violence and bullying uh things of that nature yeah so uh yes i mean we we can set policy and then we're going to have senior staff kind of execute that at a school level Mm -hmm. um 
you know, so uh, one thing I did as a trustee was I moved to expunge um, expulsions from anybody from kindergarten to grade three, because the province had said that there will be no more expulsions at that age. Uh, so expulsion, that's being expelled, not suspended, correct? Correct. Okay. No, just because um, it, it's it's funny, you, mentioned, you should mention that because um, my son goes to school here in Ward 1 in a Catholic school and mm. second second year in a row, he got the crap beat out of him in a gang style oh. beating on school property. That's awful. And, and the principal is <clears throat> refusing to suspend the children saying, that, well, they're too young to be suspended. Mm. Yeah, and, uh, I, I had to ask. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, that, that's fair. I mean, the province has decided that, uh, you know, nobody from kindergarten to grade three will be expelled because generally speaking, it was people of color, um, you know, the bulk of them that were being expelled. So, you know, the principal then has to kind of operationalize that. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I, I think we need better kind of options around maybe things like restorative circles and um it, there still needs to be options to protect children right like your son shouldn't be getting beat up on school grounds we have to find a way to protect your child um and and you know saying we're going to do nothing is is simply not good enough i understand um yeah. getting back to the election just briefly for a sec i i wanted sure. to i wanted to ask so how many of the um debates did you attend because I'm, I'm not actually even sure how many um were held in ward 11 so i believe there were three well you didn't come to mind but that's okay <laughs> <laughs> you know what and somehow that wasn't very well advertised i guess because i did i just didn't see it okay. I, I don't know so that's sorry a- about that <laughs> uh but there yeah were- uh, it was it was at least three or four that's awesome. You know, yeah. I I feel like we we do have like a, a main thing I, I do want to ask you about, but I mean also the election was so fun and I, I feel like <laughs> I also do want to I love the idea of gossiping a bit. Um were there and I, I don't want to say there's a part of me that wants to ask if there was anyone else in Ward Eleven who you liked, and that's only because I like I this is me being again gossipy, but I, I think I might be more interested to know if in any other wards in the city, if there were candidates who you just really liked, who you're really inspired by, um, who are running, who maybe who won, who maybe who didn't. Um, yeah, I'm just curious to know if there are any liked, interesting uh, characters to you. Yeah, I liked uh, Evan S. from uh, Ward 8. Uh, let's see. Sambasivum. I'm probably doing I, I don't the know. same thing. That's <laughs> okay. We, met, <laughs> we, we mess up names here, so. There we go. Well, I'm just keeping it consistent then. Um, He he was impressive. And, uh, you know, he's he's a young, strong voice who I I think is going to eventually make waves in Ward 8. Um, So that he, you know, good to see that young leadership coming up. So, yeah, I mean, he's one that immediately comes to mind. What about uh, Ward 23 councillor now? He won Jamal Myers. He's one of the first people I interviewed. So, so passionate and, and smart. Yeah, he's amazing. He's he's going to be an amazing city councillor. I mean, Ward 23 um, could really couldn't have done better there. That just fantastic, fantastic candidate. I was so impressed with him. He's been fighting for Scarborough Transit for for years and just against incredible odds. And, and you know, 
I think really resonating with people and, and with his arguments that, you know, Scarborough deserves transit, you know, and transit that serves the whole of Scarborough. He, he really makes some good, strong, compelling arguments. Absolutely. Yeah. So I had uh, some stuff here. We usually, we, we have a whole episode. So um, I have some <laughs> bullet points that I'd love to get your, your opinion on. Sure. Um, let's start with Bill 39. So, 1.5 million homes in the province within 10 years. I think 285,000 are supposed to be in the city of Toronto. Um, I had an article here that I wanted to read just briefly. Matt, while you're looking for that, yeah, go ahead. Um, I feel like last week I sort of made a fool of myself where I, I, um, I was sort of answering questions about Bill 23 and Bill 39. And I, I think I was confusing them. So if either of you could just, I'm pretty sure I understand, but I, I just quick bullet points. Which one is strong mayor? Is that 23? No, that's 39. Yeah, that's 39. <laughs> Whoops. My bad. Um, okay. Uh, this isn't the beginning of the article, but I have it here. It says the legislation uh, has the backing of Tory, who has said that, who, sorry, who, who said he was the one who quote, raised the change with Ford. Uh, the mayor has said in the past that he will always try to reach a consensus with council and that he will o would only use his veto on matters of citywide importance. Tory has already used his strong mayor powers to appoint a new city manager, which we'll, we'll get to in a bit. Um, the, biggest, the biggest question is whether Bill 39, in conjunction with other strong pay, uh, mayor powers provided by the provincial government, will actually help get housing built uh, as the government claims. So, Norm, I, I got a, I got a, I guess I got, I got two questions. The first one is, mm -hmm. um, I'm not sure if you're aware or if you heard, but uh, Ottawa Mayor Mark Sutcliffe has formally denounced the powers. Um, I guess he he doesn't feel like he needs them. I'd love to know your your opinion on that, and then um, I, I guess we can start talking about Bill Thirty Nine and what it means to the city of Toronto. Yeah, you know, I, I mean, Mark Sutcliffe's got the right idea. Like, you know, he must understand that the majority of council is, you know, is, it, that he can find consensus among them. And and I bet that, um, you know, Mayor Tory could too. Like, I, I just, I haven't seen a situation where Mayor Tory was blocked from pushing forward his agenda. Like, I just haven't seen it over these past eight years, right? Like, there's there's a pretty strong kind of number of councillors who, who will back Tory, um, you know, thick or thin. So... I'm just not sure why this is necessary. And, and it's just, you know, it, it's just a disturbing attack on democracy is the bottom line. Like it just wasn't necessary. He, you know, if he wanted to do anything with housing, there's a bunch more progressive councillors now who would, who would move that, even if, you know, some of the people in his conservative caucus maybe would not. Like, I, I think he could have found a majority on any issue um, through building coalitions and consensus building, which is really, you know, what democracy is all about here. It feels like John Tory isn't really interested in that, in that sort of crossing the bridge sort of thing, because it, it sort of feels like, why did, I mean, sorry, I'm not even, it's not like a hypothetical, like he, he went and he asked for the powers during the election, 
like you weren't it's like he wasn't even interested in trying and it's frustrating knowing that as you said he has had a lot of counselors on his side that he could pretty much get whatever he wanted to go through mm-hmm. so it just seems like uh, just it is it's it's an erosion of democracy for no other reason than to erode democracy i mean that's it like you know he didn't tell anybody during the election period he was looking to do this right like how is that democratic like it's just happening in secret with doug ford over there and you know mayor tory responds by saying trust me well what if we get mayor ford after mayor tory or somebody else who we you know we can't trust who's sitting in there as mayor like let's just hypothetically say you trust mayor tory well what about the next mayor who's not so trustworthy oh we don't like this we 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 are uh we don't like tory on here (laughs) there we go (laughs) i just you might have somebody in your theoretical audience who does but uh you know who knows about the next mayor and and you know just the way we came here and, and what it does like you know, if, if I'm a counselor and there's a vote where, you know, if eight people like say, yes, it's going to pass, like I would never be part of that eight people, <laughs> like those eight counselors. Like you're, you're saying, gee, yeah, like I a symbolic to... no. Yeah, yeah. Like you just be saying, I hate democracy. I'm totally, you know, part of the minority rule here. <laughs> so I have a letter here that they, uh, the counselors collectively wrote to the province. I'm going to read it and then uh, go through who signed it at the bottom. It says, Dear Premier Ford and Minister Clark, today we are writing to register our concern regarding Bill 39, the Better Municipal Government Governance Act to, uh, 2022 before the close of the third reading. Bill 39 provides the following, quote, if that the head of council is of the opinion that a bylaw could potentially advance a prescribed provincial priority, the head of council may propose the bylaw and require city council to consider and vote on the proposed bylaw at a meeting. The bylaw is passed if more than one third of the members of city council vote in favor of the bylaw, end quote. On July 19th, 2022, Toronto City Council passed a motion that reads as follows, quote, City Council requests the, the province of Ontario to consult with the City of Toronto on governance prior to granting additional authorities to the city commensurate with strong mayor governance models and that, quote, City Council affirms its position that any changes to Toronto's local elections or its governance structure should be decisions made by Toronto's City Council, end quote. The minutes of this meeting are appended to this letter. Bill 39 is moving quickly through the Ontario legislature and is expected to pass this week. But Toronto City Council has not had an opportunity to debate or consult with residents on this fundamental change in our governance. We are writing to you today because we are concerned that we have not had the chance for input on the governance of our city or to weigh in on the impacts on the checks and balances of power that would result from the loss of majority rule at Toronto City Council. We are committed to the relationship with the province of Ontario as outlined in part one of the City of Toronto Act 2006, one that is based on, quote, mutual respect, consultation, and cooperation, end quote. With this, we ask that you reconsider Bill 39. Toronto City Council should be governed by majority rule and any changes to Toronto governance should be decisions made by City Council and local residents. This is signed by Ward 3 Councillor Amber Morley, Ward 4 Councillor Gord Perks, Ward 7 Councillor Anthony Peruza, 
Ward 8 Counselor Mike Cole, Ward 9 Counselor Alejandra Bravo, Ward 10 Counselor Ozma Malik, Ward 11 Counselor Diane Sachs, Ward 12 Counselor Josh Matlow, Ward 13 Counselor Chris Moise, Ward 14 Counselor Paula Fletcher, uh, Ward 15 Counselor Jane Robinson, uh, Ward 17 Counselor Shelley Carroll, Ward 18 Counselor Lily Chang, Ward 21 Counselor Michael Thompson, and Ward 23 Counselor Jamal Myers. So that means one and two are missing. That's Vincent Crisanti and Stephen Holliday. Uh, five and six are missing. That's uh, Ninziata and... Um, um, that's Pasternak. That's that's yeah, weird. <laughs> yeah, that's weird. I get, like... Uh, let's see, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14. Yeah, We're not 19 or 20. 15. So 16, 16 is missing. 16 is um, uh, Burnside, John Burnside. No surprise there. Oh. Uh, nine, so nineteen twenty, of course, Brad Bradford and Gary Crawford. Gary Crawford, and then twenty-two uh, is um, Ainsley. Paul No, no, that's twenty-four. Oh, oh, sorry, 20. right, sorry. Oh, I feel like did did Paul sign yeah. it or no? Uh, he spoke out against it later. Uh, he didn't sign oh, the okay. letter, but he spoke out. But he'll he yeah. So Paul Ainsley, and of course the deputy mayor Jennifer McKelvey in Ward twenty-five. Right. So yeah. there you go. Your, your thoughts, guys? Uh, so first, quick pause. I don't know if... Did you guys hear that loud popping sound uh, during your reading? And if not, forget I said anything because my I, daughter I just popped a balloon. So. <laughs> okay. Oh, good. I, I was so concerned that just a random... Okay, not important. Uh, sorry, Norm, if you, if you had thoughts, just uh, <laughs> I just wanted to clear that up. But yeah, nobody heard popped. anything. <laughs> so... I, I don't know. I count about 10 counselors, nine or 10 counselors that didn't sign. So, you know, maybe you have your eight there that are going to help them pass legislation. Uh, but very disappointing. Um, you know, every counselor should have signed this. Um, you know, if, if you're getting elected to city council, it's because you care about democracy, I think. <laughs> to, to not sign this. I, and uh, at least really... cynical. <laughs> yes. That's mostly what you're going to get from me. The least cynical takes. <laughs> which is great and uh we we definitely need someone who's less pessimistic than say for example myself <laughs> so but yeah i mean that's a terrible statement for them so I, I i gotta ask norm did you have a chance to uh watch the first uh council meeting and did you see the part where um uh, they wanted to discuss Bill 39, but then the Speaker Francis Nunziata oh. ruled it out of order, and then there was a vote, and Diane Sachs actually became the deciding vote. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah, you, you know, that could have been inexperienced there. Um, you know, she gave a reason saying, well, I didn't necessarily disagree with the chair, so maybe, you know, inexperience. Um, but I, I'm just speculating. I, I have no idea. Do you um alternate universe norm where do you vote oh man <laughs> we're, we're talking about bill 39 yesterday <laughs> so i i got one more question and then i'll throw it to phil so uh, even though you you lost in the election when things are not going if 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 
for example, Diane Sachs makes a wrong move, does that mean you get a bunch of phone calls with people that are unhappy and wishing that you won? Well, I mean, I I, I, I definitely saw a lot of tweets um, saying expressing some sentiments like that at that moment. Uh, but, you know, it, it doesn't change anything that happened. And uh, I just continue forward with my style of advocacy. You're up, Phil. Well, actually, speaking of advocacy, um, I guess before, I mean, I don't really have a question, but more like I just want to ask you in general about, but uh, Ontario Place for All, what is your relationship to that group? Do you have a relationship with that group? Thank you for the question. So uh, I was a founding member of Ontario Place for All um, in early 2019. Okay. Um, I thought and, it was something know, then, like that, but I wasn't sure. It's <laughs> fair. And then I got extremely busy with the trustee work, um, you know, COVID-19 and the rest of it. And I, I just didn't have the time to uh, spend, unfortunately, at other, you know, at, at, on other ventures. So I stepped away. But, um, you know, as soon as the election ended, uh, you know, CBC the very next day sent me a text saying, do you want to come on Metro Morning tomorrow to discuss what's next? And first I felt like throwing up. But once that was done, I thought, <laughs> okay, yes, you know what, this is a good idea. It's healthy for me to think about what I'm going to do next. And, uh, you know, one of the things that came, the first thing that came up on my mind was to rejoin Ontario Place for All. Um, because, you know, we successfully uh, saved the Trillium Park, the pods and Cinesphere. But now there's the spa proposal on the table and, it, you know, it needs a strong pushback, you know, to stop this kind of takeaway of public land. So I rejoined well, I and um, I became co-chair. Well, actually, um, I don't know if you are familiar with uh, what Chloe Brown's trying to do, but she's trying to move the Therm Spa to the Woodbine um, Center. That's in my ward. Uh, so, uh, you know, they're putting a lot of new entertainment options over there. I, I don't know what your thoughts are on adding something like a spa, but it would seem like a better fit. Like it's near Pearson. It's closer to other municipalities. You know, well, parking isn't an issue. I don't know. Well, I'll, I'll say this. I, I'm, mm -hmm. game, I'm game for anything that means that Woodbine Center remains untouched. It's been a mall for me since I was a little kid. I had my eighth birthday party there at Fantasy Fair. So as long as they don't destroy them, because I know at one point they were going to level the mall for, for, for parking for the casino across the street. And I don't know what happened, but it didn't happen. And I just I hope it stays where it is because malls are disappearing at, at, at a, at a scary rate. Um, that's one of the reasons that's one of, one of the planks of uh, Jamal Myers um, campaign. He was trying to stop them from uh, stop the teardown of uh, Malvern mall. Yeah. And, and you know, it's interesting, uh, Matthew, I feel the same way as you about Woodbine mall. I actually grew up, um, I spent a couple of years in Rexdale growing up and we go to Woodbine mall all the time, like that fantasy fair, like, man, mm -hmm. like that's my childhood right there. They already <laughs> tore down Rexdale Plaza. I'm, I'm still upset about that. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah. I went there many, many times. But uh, yeah, Woodbine Mall is special. <laughs> yes, very, very special. Um, I love it. I used to go every every weekend when I was a teenager. Not every weekend, but at most weekends. You know, uh, for me, it was uh, Music World. And then I would go to the arcade and then the theater. That's amazing. And the rides, the amusement rides in the middle of the mall. Like yes. we don't have another spot like that in Toronto. It's it's amazing. I've yeah. taken my kids there too, like just to kind of relive the childhood a bit. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Phil, you got to bring your kids to Woodbine Mall. I'm telling you, they'll love. Oh, they're probably a little old, too old now, right? <laughs> uh, 
uh, I don't know. Ten and gonna be six tomorrow. Oh, ten and six. Is that, six, is that six, too old? No, no. The six-year-old is perfect. The ten-year-old mm, depends. <laughs> we'll see. We'll give it a shot. So it's worth a I visit. Mean, <laughs> here's here's my thought, sort of on the so Therm itself. That's I've heard people say it's sort of like a chain kind of spot place. I don't know too much about Therm yeah. itself. And I, I do wonder if, like, obviously, so Chloe Brown actually came on our podcast two weeks ago and was talking about this stuff, which is why it does seem interesting. Uh, we're veering into a lot of Ontario play stuff. I mean, but that is current Toronto politics. It's what's happening. Hey, man, it's what's happening. I gotta, I don't dictate what happens. I just have to talk about it. <laughs> and um, so it's like all her ideas are just obviously brilliant and they sound great. And it feels like most people wouldn't object to them. But I'm wondering with Therm, if and obviously you're not them, so you you're not in their head. But do you what do you think is to them more important? That they come to Toronto the city, or they come to the land that potentially was promised to them by the the by the province? Like what do you like? Obviously, if it's just important that they come to Toronto itself, it seems like there'd be no issue with them going to uh, Rexdale. But um, but obviously, if it's you know the alternative, then it's then the only option for them is that space, the that land. There's not really yeah, a question so, attached to that. I guess I just what do you what, what do you think is their motivation for coming? Yeah, like, you know, it, the Woodbine or some area like that is a better fit. Like if you look at Thermes franchises around the world, and really they are the McDonald's of the spas, um, they're all, they tend to be in, in um, more kind of suburban areas, even, even heading towards kind of industrial, like places where you have a lot of space because you need a, a spa, which is big. They need the back of house stuff that supports the spa, which is big. They need the parking, which is big. <laughs> so it really demands a lot of space. And it can re they've really been used around the world to, um, you know, let's say revitalize a suburban area or something or make it, you know, make it a destination. So, you know, good for them. Um, and, and that's why like Ontario Place just doesn't fit as a context. Like it already is like a, a waterfront park and we've already invested quite a bit in making it beautiful, like Trillium Park, which is fantastic. Um, and, you know, but um, I did notice like uh, somebody from the, the, I guess the strategy group uh, working with Thermae responded to Chloe saying the lease is fixed. Now, I don't buy it. It's a conditional lease. It's conditional on them getting approvals, right? Like I'm not paying right. for a lease if City of Toronto says no, right? Like who would sign that? <laughs> so, it's obviously a conditional lease. So to me, there's nothing holding them back from selecting a spot like Woodbine or, or something similar. Absolutely. And it you know, I don't have to tell you how beautiful it is up here. And, and there is space still, even though, you know, yeah. the, the casino keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. <laughs> mm. <laughs> um, I mean, I've also got my, um, my very anti, <laughs> my very anti car take. And I mean, I'm sure you know where I'll go with that, but I'm going to jump to a weird side thought where during, during the election, I talked about, um, I forgot his name, the Blue Jays boss, Shapiro. Mark Shapiro. Mm -hmm. um, it's pronounced Shapiro. Oh, okay. oh sorry. I guess <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm thinking too much about another. 
Shapiro. Anyways. Uh, um, and how when he was complaining about um, the act of T.O. shutting down like the streets and him saying, oh, well, people can't drive for our games. Uh, my thought about that was very specifically, it was an indictment from our from John Tory, you know, to capitulate to it so easily. It seemed like an indictment on our public transit from John Tory by basically saying, oh, yeah, you're right. The only way to, for people to get to the stadium is to drive. There's no no alternative, no other way, no way, way in the city. So yeah. I, in the same way as them putting the spot there and then having that five, what is it, five floors under underground Five-story parking. underground parking lot, yeah. It's that's uh, same thing to me. It's like you're also building the Ontario line to go there. So mm -hmm. wh what are you <laughs> what are you doing? Yeah. That's my bottom line. So it's I have like, some thoughts, you know, like um, Thermae is a franchise. So when I go to put down my spa franchise, I need 2000 parking spaces, right? Like maybe this is just some cookie cutter stuff they stuck on it. Uh, and then, you know, the second thought is when you think of a persona of a person who goes to an expensive spa, like we're talking maybe 200 bucks for a couple of hours, you know, you're starting to look at a persona who probably wants to drive like right into the spa, right? So, but, you know, at an enormous cost to the taxpayers, like this underground parking lot, you know, numbers are being thrown out like $300 million. Like it is $100,000 per parking spot near the waterfront. And if you go to the parking lot next to the music garden, you'll note that the like the second floor of that underground parking lot is always flooded. So we're talking very expensive maintenance as well. So, you know, I, I don't think there's something taxpayers should be on the hook for. It's ridiculous. Yeah, that's 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 up there with a billion dollars a kilometer for the subway. <laughs> At least the subway is delivering some the, public uh... good. Like we're paying <laughs> well, so true. that we can pay for the spa. Like what? Like, where is the business case? Like, when the island airport expansion was out there, like Porter came with a business case. There's no business case. Like they're saying, give us five hundred million dollars so that you can pay two hundred bucks with your with your partner to come into our spa. Like what? Yeah. <laughs> well, well, you know, I I would love to. Um, Phil and I will. Uh, We'll keep an eye on this uh, this project. You know, um, I know that we both care about Ontario Place, and uh, we're we'll hope that um, I guess the, the the project gets the um, the resolution that we all want. Um, I know that other people, you know, have differing opinions, but we'll see what happens from there. Um, going back to Bill Thirty Nine, just for a minute, because I think we we veered off. I wanted to get your opinion on uh, Premier Ford's comments where, one, he targeted Mississauga Mayor bon uh, Bonnie Crombie, and two, he targeted Toronto City Council councillors. Um, he said that uh, uh, Mayor Crombie was whining and that uh, city councillors in Toronto were trying to, quote, hold on to their power. I mean, their uh, dem democratically elected power um, I think that's how our democratic system works. And, and you know, I, I have to give a lot of credit to Mississauga Mayor Bonnie Crombie for sending out an information sheet to all of her, um, you know, to all of Mississauga taxpayers about what is going to happen so that they don't get shocked when it when it does happen. So I have to give her a lot of credit for being brave and standing up to the premier. And he 
you know, he always bats people down when they're brave enough to stand up to him. And especially if they're women. So, that, yes. you know, that, that's always the worst, most negative, most misogynistic responses you'll get out of Premier Ford. The other thing I wanted to ask you about real briefly, I don't know um, how much I don't know anything. So <laughs> I I live to learn the last seven months when I've been covering the election. All I did was learn, 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 learn. Um, Section 111 of the City of Toronto Act I believe if I'm correct, it governs um, basically renters. And like you said, you went through a rent eviction. I'm worried about um, landlords being able to have the right to basically tear up the lease and write a new price in. That's that's a scary thought there. I mean, you know, I guess now, you know, uh, basically rental apartments can be, um, you know, demo evicted. And then, you know, you don't need to bring a replacement apartment for that person who is being displaced. Like, talk about, you know, throwing gas on, on like the blazing fire that is the Toronto rental market. Like, I mean, we have no rent control after 2018. If you lose your rental place because of a dem eviction, they want to build condos. They don't need to give you anything. Um, you know, I, I don't know how we can make this market more horrible for renters. I, I really, I don't know it. Hard to imagine. It's it's like cruel and unusual punishment for renters. What what is being um, brought in by this province? You know, I always I always got the sense that government was a very slow moving, you know, machine, and you know, ever since it's very surprising how, like housing housing prices beyond me. I'm not smart enough to know what the deal is there, but like rental prices since the election of the uh ontario pcs it's just it's unreal we've stayed where we are and our rent has stayed you know at 1300 we've got problems with our rentals i've i've sort of said it out loud with um on my twitter um some of the issues that we have with our rental but um but to to go anywhere else for the same amount of space we're going to be paying close to probably another thousand dollars a month and, yeah. and that just seems to come from the fact, you know, the the no rent control and and the fact that even if even if a landlord does something shady or illegal, they still have to go through like the landlord tenant board process, which we know is backlogged and slow. And man, I'm I'm having a lot of no questions, just rambling thoughts, thoughts. <laughs> um, but that's that's where I am today. Well, I mean, as renters, we're, we're just infuriated. Like I moved in um, last year when there was it just I was lucky. There was like a teeny tiny correction in the rental market as some people were leaving Toronto. So we got our place, you know, a three bedroom that suits my family and, and like, you know, not an awful price. If you wanted to move into the same apartment as a new renter now, it would be 40 percent more. So like an extra like twelve, thirteen hundred dollars. Like it's it's bananas what has happened to the rental market over the past year. And, you know, I'm, I'm happy to see, like, you know, Mayor Tory's proposed reforms, but, you know, he didn't need all those strong mayor powers to do it. Like, you know, um, I would say even councillors probably that would be opposing housing last year would be in favor of it this year. Like, you know, I, at this point, if you can't see the crisis, like, you know, just open your eyes. It's like, why did it take him nine years to, be, to get ambitious? He's been, the, it's like he's acting like this is his first day on the job. This is year nine. 
Yeah, and so you know, again, like you need you need a down. mayor who has vision for the future. Like you know, he's 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 okay, at, like as a manager, but like that future vision is so key and necessary for a mayor, and and I feel kind of missing. Well, we talk about rental prices, uh, uh, guys. I don't know if you know this, but uh, water and garbage bills are about to go up three percent. I didn't know that. I have it right here in front of me. It says. Torontonians should pay an extra 3% in garbage and water fees effective January 1st. The city's executive committee has decided. That came out of the executive committee meeting that uh, we, we, we didn't cover. <clears throat> the garbage rate increase means the, that single family households will pay in 2023 an annual fee of $286.69 for a small bin, $348. 03 for a medium sized bin, 472.68 for a large bin, and 548.26 for an extra large bin. The 2023 interim rate increase of 3% provides funding to support solid waste management service operators, uh, operations, and capital projects, and diversion by reducing materials entering the waste system and overall waste sent to the landfill. A household consuming 230 cubic meters of water this year will see a 3% increase to their annual bill from $979 to $1,009. And we're supposed to get a 3% hike every year until 2031. That was, oh. the, that was the end of the article. Ouch. Oof, that part hurts. Cool. <laughs> it really just feels <laughs> like it's it's just shit on top of shit in terms of our financial situation like even though it's small things it's a small thing there but then it's like the grocery prices are expected to go up in 2023 um it's just no relief norm i, I gotta ask you you know phil and i covered on a on a previous i think it was last week maybe um uh lost my train of thought now uh <sighs> <sighs> can comment a little bit on that uh the the increase you're referring to there yes yeah go ahead so uh, you know i'll add other <laughs> things like uh rents or rents can go up by a maximum of 2.5 this year from the ontario government and you know that when you have a maximum that acts like as a magnet <laughs> so sure enough my rent went up 2.5 percent next year oh wow <laughs> so uh you know I, many landlords will just do the maximum because they can um, and, you know, the city is losing revenue from Bill 23. The estimate is $230 million annually. So, I mean, you know, the city will start to, you know, as the taps run dry on their revenue sources, they're either going to have to get real creative with new revenue sources that don't impact, you know, your per your day-to-day -day person struggling to make ends meet. Or, you know, you get the 3% year-over-year increases and who knows what will happen or a property tax. I know what I wanted to ask you now. Sorry. Uh, so okay. last last week, Phil and I talked about um, the two billion dollars in reserve funding uh, at the city of Toronto. So uh, Mayor Tory wants to spend it on the gardener. I'd love to know your thoughts about the gardener. And um, I surmised <laughs> that we take the two billion dollars and um, reset every unhoused person in the city of Toronto to previous because not everyone was born on house they got there because a set of circumstances whatever the situation and if we can reset them to their former situation 
they can become a taxpayer and they can become a a contributing member of society. Um, I'd love to know your thoughts on 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 any of that, including the gardener. I, I'm getting chills, Matthew. I mean, that's such a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the gardener, you know. 21st century cities don't keep up a, a giant elevated highway next to their waterfront, right? So it's just not what they do. Um, waterfront Toronto, I think, had a credible plan of how we would continue to move, um, you know, cars around. And, you know, it seemed to seem to be pretty workable. And to use that money to then house people. Oh, my goodness. Yes. Yes. Let, let us house everyone. I mean, um, we, we shouldn't have a homeless problem in Toronto. And it just takes investment and, and the right supports so that people can can thrive because, you know, you'll find even folks that are in encampments sometimes choose that because they can remain near their friends and their services that, that they like in that area. So, you know, if we build a lot of housing with that reserve funding, we, we could really solve a problem that is, is just, you know, afflicting us here in the, in the city of Toronto. And, you know, just feel <laughs> awful for every homeless person in an encampment. We think about the weather right now. It, it's, it's really awful. We have to house them. Especially with a city and a mayor that has no plan. <laughs> yeah well yeah, plus, vision you know the, no, the very I, poor timing with the closure of the the shelter hotels um you know directly into the deadliest the deadliest season and then they open up the new shelter spaces like i i, I, uh, yeah. I i've said it before i said it before but this 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 plan went by so many eyes and so many people were just like that's fine it's insane sorry Norm. i just you know city council missed a chance they could have asked the federal government to expropriate the novotel hotel they should have um that should have got expropriated and it should have stayed a shelter hotel became supportive housing what a huge opportunity and now it's just going to be a hotel for a year and they're going to rip it down and put up like hotels and condos like we should have expropriated that thing it should have never closed this winter what a huge fatal mistake the city for the city to make So uh, I wanted to ask a question. This is actually an upbeat question because it, it goes to the future. <laughs> you know, usually we cover municipal politics here, but I'd love to get both your thoughts, um, Norm, you go first, on Merritt Stiles becoming the new NDP leader and whether or not she has it in her to be the future premier and get rid of Premier Ford. She absolutely has what it takes. Like she has the passion, the fire, the energy, the organizing skills, the experience. Like as an education critic, as a school board trustee, I felt so supported by Marit Stiles and by her office. She is just amazing at everything she sets her mind to. She was an amazing trustee, amazing MPP, amazing education critic. And I just see the, the group, the, the ever-growing group of people around her. Um, she she has incredible momentum and knows what it takes to build it and she knows what it takes and she's very powerful at debates a very passionate speaker um, I believe that she can win Ontarians over and, and become the next premier of Ontario Bill so my main thought is and I'm I'm going to defer Norm to your opinion on her only because I don't know her very well I don't know her personally but if the reason my big problem is nobody else ran. So I'll, I'll get back to that. But, and I'm going to take it, Norm, if the reason nobody else ran is that everybody liked her so much and was just like, we want her to be the leader. Why would we run against her? That would 100% be fair. And I would get that. 
I don't know if anyone would say that out loud. Maybe that's weird. But my big frustration with with the Ontario NDP situation is is the coronation. I feel like looks bad that nobody else wanted to run, that there were no debates on policy. Um, it just and, and the same thing sort of happened. And I understand that because it's different province, they're not the same NDP group. But, you know, this thing that happened in B.C. with um, David Eby and. Uh, uh, Angeli. Yes. Angeli, yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's and the thing was, it's it wasn't even about who would have been the better leader between the two of them. It was the fact that there wasn't even an opportunity for that contest to happen. And I, I feel like, you know, good ideas get brought up through debate. And so, again, Norm, I, you know, as, as you can tell, I'm always very excited to hear your opinion. So I trust your opinion on Merit Styles as an individual, as an MPP, as a professional. Um, as for the the provincial party, I I don't think it's a great look that they that, that there was no competition. That's just my thought. I, you know, I, I would say that, like, you know, some sort of leadership debate, like, you know, Democrats have their primaries. Um, you know, it, it, it's it's healthy to have that discourse. Um, it, it's too bad it didn't happen here. Uh, you know, everybody has their reasons for running or not running. Um, and, and, you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't want to guess at what those are, but there were plenty of people, I think, who were considering it. But for one reason or another, didn't put their hat in the ring. Um, would have been would have been great to have that debate and that uh, usual kind of leadership debate happen. But, um, you know, it, it unfortunately didn't. Um, and here we are. Um, so we have the leader, Marit Stiles. And um, yeah, I, I, you know, I, I don't know if, it, you know, lessons learned. Do they look back and see how they can make it more, um, maybe more inclusive? Um, you know, what was the barrier? Um, I, I would want to look at a root cause and sort of see what barrier there was and see if we can fix it. I'll say Did you that... feel like there was a... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, no, sorry. No, no, no. You go ahead, <laughs> Go ahead. I, I was going to say the barrier that I was aware of would have been the... Um the $50,000 entry fee, that seems very <laughs> steep. Like, I, I do think, like, the MPPs themselves could probably afford it. I mean, actually, even then, I don't know. $50,000 is very steep. It's, and in my mind, that's just, that's a huge barrier itself. Yeah. No, I mean, that that for sure was a barrier, right? Um, and, like, they're, I don't know, like, I guess they might have done, like, a look, uh, sort of a scan, and I know that the Liberals, the, the fee is 100000 um, Oh, and my then, God. So <laughs> they might have done a scan and th thought, well, we're going to come in w well below that, but maybe it just wasn't, perhaps that wasn't quite low enough. So I've always said that uh, the only way you're going to get rid of Ford is because, like it or not, Ford's a brand name. He's, you know, Ford Nation. He's... Some would say that he's living off his brother's um, reputation. I'll tell you that I was a Doug Ford guy previously because I was a Rob Ford guy. Um, <laughs> I, I grew up on Rob Ford. Um, Doug Ford is not Rob Ford. And I know that. And, I, I you know, I, I've we've done this on previous episodes where I've told Phil, you know, I'm a converted. Uh, I, I was never a conservative. I Because <laughs> it depends on who's leading the party. Um, Doug mm -hmm. Ford was leading the party in 2018. I voted for him, but this election, I didn't vote for him and I wasn't going to vote for anyone else. I don't personally think that Andrea Horwath is the answer. This is her fourth election loss. 
And Stephen Del Duca, he he reeks the Kathleen Wynn. So no one's going to, you know. So we need a name. Now, uh, sorry, I, I guess I pronounced it wrong. Merit Styles, she's a name. I, I can't, I'm excited. I can't wait to see what she gets done. And, and hopefully, you know, on the liberal side, they can install someone who who doesn't, uh, who wasn't a backbencher uh, for Kathleen Wynne, has no, uh, you know, association or, or whatever. And then, you know, maybe they can get someone and then we can try to get Doug Ford out of office. Yeah. You know, I, I want strong yeah, leaders of all you, oh, parties. Sorry. sorry. Just quickly, I just want strong leaders of all parties because it, it gets it gets the electorate excited, gets them excited about voting. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm sorry. I was just going to ask if either of you guys had any, not not deep thoughts, because it wasn't ever going to actually be a thing. But did either of you guys hear about the the Mike Schreier, Schreier, the, the Green Party leader, apparently, Schreiner. apparently, <laughs> thank you guys, uh, apparently being sort of like um, being hinted at towards like the liberals are like they wanted to be their leader. Now, he's he's denied it. And no, it wasn't going to be a thing like. But do you guys think that would have been hilarious? <laughs> Everybody likes Mike. I mean, who doesn't like Mike? So, <laughs> there's a Mike Schreiner. Uh, yeah, you know, and, and maybe, you know, there's no clear heir apparent on the Ontario Liberal side. So maybe that's how rumors like that start. But, um, you know, everybody likes Mike. <laughs> um, I, I, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. I, I guess, uh, you know, I, I, at the federal level, there was a, a Green Party MP who switched to the Liberal side. Maybe they have some policies that align um, just from, from that kind of thought process. Um, also, on a previous episode, because I'm bringing it up because I, I want your opinion. We were discussing the terms, you know, lefty versus righty. Um, I think I, I, I said that I used to be a right wing without ever actually... Um, telling you what I think a right wing means and, and uh, right wing to me just means the opposite of left. So for me, a, a left, a left wing, a lefty, a leftist are tax and spend and they never balance the books. And please correct me if I'm wrong. So for me, right wing, that means, well, that means save and, and, uh, and, and slash and save. I, I'd love to hear both of your opinions Norm, why don't you go first? You're our guest. Yeah, you know, um, maybe rather than tax and spend, like we're talking about um, making kind of more longer term investments and not looking at our budget, like, um, you know, the same budget when we sit around the kitchen table and look at, you know, our wages and our bills. Like, you know, it's it's just a little bit different when you're financing, you know, a province or a country. Um, you know, there are strategic investments that really made payoffs, you know, stratospherically <laughs> over the course of, you know, decades. But, uh, you know, I, I guess otherwise, like the assertion's not like fully wrong, but I would view it more like an investment. And, you know, I, this Ontario government has really failed to invest in its people as of late. Absolutely. Phil? Um, <laughs> I mean, as a, a self-declared bona fide I don't know, anti-car, I hate cars, leftist, you know. <laughs> um, you know, I I feel like it's I mean, I like how Norm has characterized it, but I would I would more think of it as or at least whatever the current state of conservatism in Canada is, 
it doesn't seem to be about, you know, saving money for a rainy day or anything, you know, like, or what's going on with, with health. Actually. Yeah. I guess maybe, maybe that is a good way of thinking of it. Like with the healthcare situation where we sort of know what's going on, where it's, you know, the nurses, their wages are being restrained by, um, you know, the bill number fuck nurses. That's not the name of the bill, but that's the event. <laughs> Uh oh! Oh, you did the numbers, and I missed it. One twenty-four. Oh, one twenty-four. Cool. All right. All right. Okay. Cool. Yeah, Bill, one twenty-four. So we know that, and then just you know, general burnout because they've been working throughout the pandemic, and it's a nightmare. Um, and also the province is also spending money on travel nurses. That like, it's it's a weird way to spend money, and the only way the only way the province spending money this way makes sense is if it's, you know, they're going intentional towards a privatization, which is what's happening, what's going on. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so I, I, you know, if it's not spend versus spend it in the idea of, I mean, if you just say spend, obviously it sounds like it's just throwing money into the wind, but it is like, the idea is that we're supposed to be spending money on nurses to invest in them and spend money on our education system to invest in that. And like, I don't know if, if somehow conservatism has turned into something different in the modern day where it just, I mean, maybe it's just being in Doug Ford's Ontario where it just feels like <laughs> burning, just endless <laughs> suffering. Um, but they're not fiscal. These conservatives aren't fiscal. Yeah, I mean, cutting revenue, like cutting the stickers, um, cutting gas tax, like, you know, it just seems ideological, like, you know, w almost like a self-hating government or something. <laughs> it just, yeah. That's a that's a good point, because that sort of reminds me, because I feel like the, the sticker renewal fee, um, and maybe there'll be just some disagreement, but I feel like it was a very simple showing of how taxes are actually sort of good. In the way that, I'm sorry, I, I realize this is, I hope I'll be able to explain myself, but it's that it costs $100 a year to renew a sticker license, right? If you can afford a car, you can afford insurance, you can afford gas. It's like, yes, it's another fee, but chances are you can afford it, okay? And then to the province, what was that? Uh, annually, a billion dollars that they can use for the things that we need. So they just said, no, we'll give that up. And the only reason I have a big problem with that is $100 to an individual is not a lot. For a lot of people, it's not even a grocery trip. But collectively, all together, that's a lot you can do with it. Same thing with the, the tutoring money that Stephen Lecce is giving out, the $200 tutoring funds. That is going to get you a session and a half of tutoring, maybe. You know, uh, but collected together, like I think they said these these re these tutoring funds or whatever. I think they're saying it's like four hundred million dollars. That's four hundred mm -hmm. million dollars you're collectively taking out of Ontario classrooms. It's I feel like it's the it's the smallest way to illustrate in my mind taxes yeah. as a as a necessary small. You know what I mean? Like just not that big a deal. Just so my beautiful, beautifully so for, explained. So for me, the uh, when you're talking about the the sticker specifically, Phil, um, that was 
that was Doug Ford buying the election. That's mm -hmm. in, instead of him going to the polls, going, if you elect, this is what I'm going to do. <laughs> he, he did it previously. So he, he could it. say, see, mm -hmm. I did this. That, mm -hmm. that was the price of the election, a billion dollars. Right. Per year. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, he won. <laughs> he, yeah. he got True. it. Um, I'd like to move on and, and talk about the escalating violence in the city, specifically during Mayor Tory's years. Um, I have it in front of me now because I wrote it down. I did. I did some research. Um, so in 2015, uh, we had 59 homicides, 29 gun deaths, 429 shootings. In 2016, 75 homicides, 41 gun deaths. 581 shootings in 2017, 66 homicides, 39 gun deaths and 395 shootings. 2018, 96 homicides, 51 gun deaths, 424 shootings. 2019, 78 um, homicides, 44 gun deaths and 495 shootings. 2020, uh, 71 homicides, 39 gun deaths, 462 shootings and in 2021 85 homicides 49 gun deaths and 409 shootings i don't have this year's numbers but that's friggin' depressing i wanted to stop reading it halfway through <laughs> um specifically like the violence on the ttc is is getting out of control you know we had that incident i'm sure you both uh, heard that lady that got burned alive or something like that it happened at Kipling station. You know, my daughter was on like two buses behind that bus and now she's afraid to go to Kipling station. That's why she went ahead and she, she uh, got her license and now she's, you know, it's like dad, I, I want the car. Uh, can I have the car? I'm afraid of Kipling station. And then, you know, we have that incident uh, recently a few days ago at, at high park station. Um, I'd love to know your opinion on, you know, and then we got, we got this friggin' mayor who is like, oh, I, I guess we have a problem. I, I, I should talk to people. I should, I should uh, have public consultation. I think that's what he was doing at a school in Scarborough. I could be mistaken. It might've been a community center. Uh, it's like, he doesn't know what to do. He, he doesn't. The, the person in charge should absolutely know what to do or get out of the way. Um, I'd love to know your thoughts, Norm. Yeah. So, I mean, in March, there was a shooting at a TDSB school and, and the TDSB had reached out to the city and made sort of a certain list of demands and were completely ignored. <clears throat> and then in November, we had this more recent shooting. And finally, you know, Mayor Tory is now turning to it and saying, yes, uh, you know, I'll, I'll bring in those recommendations, including focusing more mental health supports in, in some of the you know, uh, schools that are kind of in underprivileged communities um, and, um, you know, sort of working to like ensure safe policies and procedures are in place. But, you know, and finally investing some money at the city level. But, you know, it took a lot of people, unfortunately, dying before that, that, that investment was even put into place. So, you know, just kind of that lacking vision continues to rear its ugly head. Um, you know, mental health supports are needed. We need to house the homeless. We have to consider things like safe supply of drugs so that Folks aren't out there buying from drug dealers. 
you know, there, there are ways to help tamp down on, 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 on this crime and, and these deaths and, you know, whether it's in schools or whether it's on our TTC, um, you know, these are people often who really need mental health supports and, and stability in their lives and they're just not getting it. Bill? I mean, I, I feel like, um, I think we talked about this last week. So I, I think I am mostly repeating myself for, uh, for Norm's sake, but it, it really is, as as I, I've said during uh, my own campaign, um, that we we know the source of crime, and it's it's poor material conditions. And the fact is, during the pandemic, a lot of people's lives have gotten worse, and things have just gotten harder, and that drives people to the brink. And like it, the hard thing is to solve this stuff. It it really does feel like it's societal reform like people mm. we need to get people housing but right now we treat housing like a commodity you know so it's like we can't just give people houses because that's not fair because it costs so much for the other people who bought houses so we can't just give these people houses which is garbage sorry if you know you get what i'm saying <laughs> but it's just it's i don't know we need to we need to be able to it's it's hard because that's a very it's a long term solution, you know, improving people's lives, you know, categorically. That is long term, far away. You can't do that tomorrow. So the thing that's hard for me is figuring out what short term solves these problems. And that's that's sorry, that's a that's a that's a hanging thought. I don't have an answer for that. The problem, I, one of the big problems is that like this is it's happening at the municipal level, but it's it's not really a municipal issue per se. It's more of a I would say it's more of a federal issue. I think we we also covered this part like it's the criminal justice stuff, right? The criminal justice code, the the, the court system. Mm -hmm. the, those are all federal and provincial things. And someone's falling asleep at the wheel. Anyway, um, I just got one more thing I wanted to cover, and then uh, we'll wrap up here. I want to talk about our new city manager, Mr. Paul Johnson. Ooh. I did the research I said I was going to do. <laughs> oh, uh, cool. All right. All right. Dope. So he's from, he's from Hamilton. He attended McMaster University. Um, he only worked for the city of Toronto specifically for the last four years and sorry one, uh, one year and four months um he before that he worked for the city of hamilton for almost 11 years uh he was the gm of health and safety communities the director of lrt uh, uh he's the lrt project coordinator and he was the director of uh corporate initiatives um he was previously before that the executive director of a place called Wesley Urban Ministries, which is like a not-for-profit, uh, not a ministry. It's not 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 a church thing. Uh, it's like a like a food insecurity, uh, unhoused people uh, kind of um, uh, not-for-profit. It help they help those those people. Um, and he also, his so his bachelor's degree that he got from McMaster's University was in history. Um, believe me, I looked and I looked and I looked for dirt on this guy because, <laughs> and no, I'll tell you why. 
the reason I looked for dirt on this guy is because John Tory used his strong mayor powers to get this guy through. So I'm thinking, okay, so where are the skeletons? But I couldn't, I couldn't find any. Honestly, he seems like a good choice. So the question then becomes, why did John Tory use the strong mayor powers? Why not put him in front of council? He he seems like a good guy. He's got the experience. What's what's the issue? Why? Because in order for him to use the strong mayor powers, he's got to think that city council is going to say no. Okay, so why would they say no? I, I can't find a reason why they would say no. You know, I, I read somewhere that there, like because of these new strong mayor powers, there are some changes to procedures, including appointing um, senior staff. Um, I don't think that there's an option now. Like, do I take it to a vote or do I appoint? I think the mayor must appoint. So I, I kind of um, think that's where that ended up. Um, um, okay, and, so but just going back for a second to the uh, Ottawa mayor, does it work like because he formally renounced it? It doesn't work like that for Ottawa. So I think that uh, well, if they re if he renounced it and Ottawa was removed from the bill, that would be one thing. And and I think they did remove Ottawa in okay. the end. So I think if Tory had renounced it, he would have been removed as well, and it wouldn't apply that way. But um, you know, Paul Johnson was uh, selected by a hiring panel, including like Jennifer McKelvey, Stephen Holiday, Councillor Mike Layton. So he's at least gone through some sort of rigor. Um, I, I just think it was a procedural thing where now the mayor must appoint under the strong mayor system. Oh, okay. I think I've made a very, <laughs> a very strong tweet about that, that now may be inaccurate. <laughs> <laughs> it's a hot take, you know, you, you can leave it out there. Fair it's a hot enough. Take. Yeah. Well, no one's, no one's going to dig back there and be like, idiot. <laughs> they'll, they'll say that to me about what I'm saying right now. Well, Norm, before we let you go, I do have one more question. So other than working at this uh, Ontario Place for All, I mean, what is what does the future look like? What what uh, what does 2026 look like? Yeah, you know, I, I'm certainly not done. Um, <laughs> you, you get back up again and you try it again. Um, somebody told me uh, Joe Pantalone, who became the deputy mayor, had seven unsuccessful runs before getting elected. So I got some wrong way to go. Uh, <laughs> so I, I suspect that I'll probably be running in 2025 before 2026 or perhaps sooner if a federal election gets called. Oh, interesting. That's amazing. Running for like federal MP? Uh, yeah, I feel like there's some unfinished business here in Spadina, Fort York. So interesting. Got to got to finish that business. Close the book. That's amazing. Well, you can certainly count on me supporting that campaign if that if that comes up. You know, call me up. I'll Thank you. just tell me what you need. I'll get you on speed dial, Philip. Thank you. Yeah, Hell you're yeah. You're definitely <laughs> friends of the municipals. Hey, oh, amazing. Yeah. Oh, and I love that name, municipals. How nice. Uh, oh, that's Phil, fantastic. Phil came up with that. <laughs> I'm not surprised. <laughs> uh, I appreciate the vote of confidence. Anytime, Philip. All right, so uh, Phil and I just have a couple things to close up here, but it's been so great talking to you. Thank you so much for for coming on. And uh, you know, when uh, more credible people like yourself come on, it, it helps legitimize this podcast. And both Phil and I great. really, really appreciate it. Phil really deserves all the credit for 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 getting you on here, and uh, I'm not going to let him forget about that. 
<laughs> well, yep. and uh, to Norm's credit, uh, he made it very easy. I said, Norm, you, you want in? <laughs> and he said, yes. And I said, cool. I, it, it was more, more words than that, but that was the gist. He made it very Bottom easy. Bottom line, anything for this positive soul here in front of us who is Philip. <sighs> Any, anything for you, pal. Thank you so much. God, what a so fun. <laughs> Pleasure, Matthew. This. Pleasure, Philip. <laughs> <laughs> Take care. You too. Wow. So we're still we're don't worry, we're still rolling. Um, no, I know. I, I got you. I know. I hear you. So so amazing. Uh you're you're good at this. <laughs> maybe you know maybe you can start to work on Gil Penalosa now. I'll, you know what? I'll give it a shot. We'll see if uh, we'll see if we can get him on. Uh, see if he wants to be my uh, my political grandfather a little bit longer. <laughs> I promise to be nice. I know, and I, I believe you. I trust you. I, you know, I, if you get if you get Nick Kosovan, I'll be nice to him. I'm gonna try. <laughs> um, I was gonna address this at the top of the show, but with Norm being there, I didn't want to. Uh, Anyway, I'm going to address it now. So on my other podcast, I made some comments at the end of the episode because we were late um, releasing it. And so I added comments on at the end and it was kind of, I I said it was an announcement, but it was kind of a non-announcement. So allow me to clarify. This time in history is going to be shelved indefinitely i will be bringing it back for once a month episodes that are going to be of a religious context because i uh, everything that happened in north carolina and i've told you off air and, and you've probably listened um i had another I'll use the quotations, religious experience this weekend. Um, and I feel like I'm being called to do something greater. And so having two podcasts really takes up a lot of my time. So going, for- going forward, we'll have our podcast because we're ahead. Um Hell yeah. This time in history is going to shift more towards a religious focus. Um, I'm going to be interviewing um, pastors and preachers and uh, of that sort once a month. Um, it'll allow me to focus. Is that still, sorry, sorry is that still going to be you and Ebony? I haven't spoken to Ebony. I really should before this airs. <laughs> um, I, I mean no disrespect. I just... Between my work schedule and she's got stuff going on in her life, we haven't been able to connect on the phone. So uh, I'm going to reach out and call her. I'm just, I'm tired and I don't want to be tired. I I have projects I want to work on. I I also have this now that I want to work on. I'm I'm even looking into um, some minister classes, to be honest with you. Um, I feel, cool. I feel the, the calling so strongly. I, I, I don't want to get religious. I'm sorry. Uh, I just, I'm just trying to be honest. Um, 
because I, I don't, I don't like to lie. I try not to lie. I don't really lie. Three reasons. Number one, I'm tired of getting caught. It never ends well. It really, really <laughs> doesn't. Okay. Second reason is, to be honest with you, I'm getting really too lazy to lie. Like, cause when you lie and then like, if you think the other person is going to find out the lie, then you're going to lie again, lie again, lie again. Uh, and number three is honestly, aside from like maybe a few people in my life, I don't give a fuck what people think. So I'm going to do what I want to do and I'm going to be honest about it. Um, Hell yeah. So I really feel this calling strong. So that's what's happening to that podcast. Um, for the fans of that podcast, I'm really sorry if I wasn't able to deliver everything because we never actually hit on the true crime stuff. Uh, we never hit on the the deep dives of the history. And maybe that's something that I can carry over later on or I can get on another podcast where I'm not actually on it. I'm just producing it. But there's that we can you know, maybe it's just thing comes down the road, you know, like you, you shouldn't have to put so much pressure on yourself. I think, uh, you know, you follow your passions and you enjoy what you do. Exactly. Now, looking forward to this week, you know, um, Phil and I both told you everyone here that uh, we're going to be off for two weeks. A lot can happen in these two weeks. We're going to be reconvening for the first week of January. Um I'm excited about it, but so what are we going to cover? That's probably what people want to know. So January, uh, January, I, I don't remember the date, but anyway, we're going to have Phil the cruise from cruising with Phil on. He's going to be oh, yeah. with, with us for the That's whole episode, boy. probably. Um, and we're going to discuss what I'm going to, I'm going to be taking notes. I, you know, Honestly, you know what I'm doing? I'm uh, getting the paper. I'm re I'm buying the paper again every day. I, that's something that I used to do when I was younger, but I stopped. And now I'm doing it again. And I'm taking notes. Of course, I buy the sun. Don't judge me. I read the sun. <laughs> um, so I've been taking notes of stuff that's been happening in the city. Good talking points. That's why I... I, I was able to amass all these good talking points tonight. Uh, you know, we have a city council meeting that's happening tomorrow and probably into Thursday as well. So I'll be watching that. Um, yeah, I'll definitely be watching as much as I can of that too. Which means the following week, you know, we have the Tobacco York, then the North York, then the Toronto and the Scarborough city councils. Gee, that's, that's going to be fun. <laughs> Exciting. <laughs> so how are you going to spend your christmas are you going away no uh you know as uh as i told you and why of course we were recording uh uh tuesday instead of monday uh yesterday was my son's birthday he turned 10 happy birthday uh, silas my beautiful honey boy tomorrow is my daughter's birthday uh she turned six my happy beautiful birthday. rosy girl yeah, it's uh, and then, um, so here's a here's a fun little fact for you. Uh, I share a birthday with our prime minister. I'm sorry, uh, and that is, <laughs> yeah. I mean, fair. Um, but I mean, I think you'll be surprised what that day is because uh, it's it's. I only throw in the prime minister's thing is like you know. 
fun can con. But uh, it's Christmas Day. That's uh, that's my birthday. So awesome. uh, yeah, I'm uh, looking forward to it. That kind of uh, so how does it work? You got the presents under the tree, right? And then there's a present to the side because that's a birthday Something present. Something like that. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's that's pretty much it. You know, it's such a fun birthday because everybody gets gifts on my birthday. It's it's the most charitable birthday of all. That's friggin' awesome. You know, <laughs> also I wanted to make another announcement. The next time you hear us after today, after you're listening to this, we're gonna have new music. Ooh, hell yeah. So it's it'll be no, it'll be the same music. However, we're gonna spice it up. I'm gonna take sound bites out of these episodes and splice them into the music as good as I know how to do. <laughs> you know, it's it's a process. Everything in time. Anyway, um, so I, I, I think uh, I think we covered everything here. I, I, uh, I'm excited. Uh, Merit Styles, excited. You know, I usually don't like NDP. I really, really don't, but... For her, you know, I I'm excited to see what she can do. You know, I think that means it's time for me to pay attention. <laughs> <You're> so, <laughs> the, the audience is not is not supposed to know you don't. <laughs> I'm kidding. Oh, uh, sorry. <laughs> what I meant specifically was all my commentary of my my problem with the Ontario NDP, the situation of her being coronated. I constantly say. I don't know, Merritt. I'm not saying anything bad about her. I'm just saying. So now I'm like, okay, I, I guess if you know, if Matt's excited for an NDP, I need to pay attention. That means hell's That's frozen. That means hell's frozen over. <laughs> well, shit. I mean, things have gotten bad. So what else gonna happen? It's time. It's time for you to pitch your uh, your T-shirt. Oh no, it's not. Listen. It's not my T-shirt. It's it exists. It already exists oh, in the ether. The damn it! I'm sorry. I really wish we could have had that for ourselves. The uh, my tummy hurts and I'm mad at the government. I wish that were uh, a me original. It is not. <laughs> it's just an ideology that I subscribe to personally. Oh, all right, Phil. What do you say? I'm ready to get out of here. I think we've nailed it. I think we're doing pretty good. I got this plate of spaghetti I'm going to demolish. I'm going to go heat up some pizza pockets and... A true man of culture. <laughs>